Good evening and welcome. Glad to have you back with us. If you are watching this after the fact, again, as always, we ask you just to be patient with us or fast forward about four minutes or so, and then we'll uh, we'll be going. Otherwise, we've got to wait and, and help everybody find us tonight. So just sit tight, be patient, and uh, we'll get going soon. Good evening. Looks like we got two out there already. Let us know who's here. Um, might be a smaller group tonight. I don't know. We'll see how, if everybody's ready after Easter here. See a few out there. Who is all out here tonight? Good evening, Melissa. Hope you had a nice Easter. What a beautiful day today. Ooh, up to seven already. Good evening, everybody. Uh, don't be afraid to check in. Let us know who's here. Ron and Joan are here. Good evening, Ron and Joan. Uh, happy Easter to everybody. Up to 10 so far. That was quick. Who's all out there? Let us know who's here. We're going to give it another three minutes or so um, just to make sure everybody can find us. Glad to hear it was nice, Melissa. Um, and and you're welcome. Holy Week is it's a fun week. I, I really love, love those services, love being a part of it, and uh, glad that people found them to be edifying this week. Good evening, Joel. Welcome. Glad you're with us tonight. Who else we got out there? It is 631. We are going to give it three more minutes uh, before we start. Marge is here. Good evening, Marge. Joe and Marlene are here as well. Good evening. And look at that. Jane, Glenn, Jean, Joan, and Julie. Five of you are there. Awesome. Good evening, all of you, and Pam as well. Boy, you all must have been ready to go tonight. Everybody's logged in early and ready to go. Tom is here. Good evening. And again, happy Easter to all of you. I hope the, the joy of Easter Sunday is still hanging on. We're going to give it two more minutes, two more minutes. So um, as you're waiting, you can crack open. Um, might seem like to go from Easter to the birth of Christ, but um, excited to start a new book with everybody. I hear you, Melissa. I've got the, the blinds here at church cracked open and I can see blue skies. Um, I like that as well. And nice to have some warm weather today too. Any, anything not snow, right? One of the one of the preschool parents today said, anything not snow is a good day at this point. So um, I agree. Another minute here yet, yeah, another minute and a half or so. Um, looks like a good group so far. I'm, I'm sure we'll have a couple more yet before we begin. I hope everybody had, was able to get the Luke worksheets. I didn't, I don't, I don't have them all out to you, but I think you got enough for the next four weeks or so. So it should be set for a little while. Just about ready here. Looks like we're holding steady at that number. So maybe a good time as any to say the prayer and, and get going. Um, I don't see a few of the regulars, but maybe they'll be joining us yet. Or maybe they're there and just haven't checked in yet too. All right, let's let's uh, let's have our prayer and then we can, can get going. Oh, there he is. Good evening, Phil. Happy Easter and welcome back as well. Let's uh, Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, what a blessing it was this last week as we followed our Savior to the cross and the empty tomb. Thank you uh, for those wonderful reminders of what he has done for our faith and for us and our salvation. Be with us tonight as we begin the study of Luke. Help us to grow in our faith. Help us to be encouraged by each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Phil is here. 
Looks like we got 15, so let's uh, let's get going. Just a couple of comments here on Luke. So Luke is the writer here of the gospel. Luke was not a disciple. Uh, he obviously uh, was a believer. Uh, he spent a lot of time with Paul in Paul's ministry. He was a big supporter to Paul. Um, and, and we're pretty sure visited with Paul, at least during his first Roman imprisonment. Uh, Luke was a physician, so an educated man. He, his command of the Greek language really comes through here. Um, and I think you'll probably pick up on Luke's attention to some of the more miraculous healings that Jesus does. Um, Luke also has what you might say is the, the fullest presentation of God's grace in the Gospels, just in, just in the terms of um, he really stresses it's for everybody. And then he also, uh, some of the key parables that stress grace are only found in Luke and aren't, aren't found in the other Gospel writers. So there's some, some aspects here that are unique to Luke, and we'll be I'm eager to go through some of those things with you. Um, so real quick, before we jump into chapter one, I would just ask if anybody has any opening thoughts or comments uh, on the gospel of Luke. Luke has a, or Phil has a question there. Was Luke a Gentile or a Jew? Um, I think our best guess is he was Gentile by birth. I don't know if we can prove that. Um, he sure seems to be well-educated uh, in Greek culture. Um, just some of the notes in my study Bible seem to hint that he was a Gentile. I don't know that we can prove that for sure. I'll just say as I read his gospel, I guess I kind of had that impression. Um, but I, I don't know that we can say for sure. That's a really good question. Anybody else? Thoughts or questions on, on the intro to Luke here before we get going? Again, not an apostle, but uh, certainly involved in the early church. Tom, I think so. Um, for I would say Luke or Matthew. Uh, Mark is much more succinct and to the point and quick moving. John is very selective in the things that he. John can be detailed, but he he's much more selective. I think I, to me, Luke or Matthew are the most detailed. Um, I, of the two, I don't know which one I would say, but I think Luke. Luke definitely, when it comes to the to teaching what grace is about, I would say he's the most in-depth. Matthew does give a lot of attention to the words of Jesus. Luke is maybe a little more focused on action, but certainly more in-depth, I think, than, than Mark. Good questions. All right, seeing no other questions, we'll jump in here. Uh, we'll jump into chapter 1. And... The focus, chapter 1, doesn't go right to Jesus. Um, but coming out of the Easter, fresh into the Easter season here, chapter 1 and 2 might seem a little, little out of place that way. Uh, what miracle, question 1, would Elizabeth and Zechariah experience? What miracle would Elizabeth and Zechariah experience? Ron and Joan, ready to go. Birth of a child in old age. Yeah, and, and not only old age, that's half the miracle. Um, there's another detail there for them as well. Anybody? Can anybody add the other detail there? Um, and this certainly isn't the first time in Scripture we've seen the Lord uh, grant an aged couple a child. Uh, we've seen that several times. Certainly Abraham is an example of that. Um, I, so yes, the um, child in old age, um, but also um, being barren, right? Um, just not able to have children. Verse 7, Elizabeth was barren. Um, so there's that detail as well. And some of the thoughts coming in here, um, thanks, Marlene. Yep, that's what, um, some of our thoughts here are, are getting into 
Question two a little bit. So let's let's go there. So we've got the birth of child in old age, also barren, not able to conceive, as Jane says there. Um, so a miracle on two, really two counts. Um, then question two says, what what could this child do or what would this child do? And some of you are given some of the info there. Um, the worksheet just gave you five phrases. Do, could you maybe just pick one of those phrases and just kind of tell us a little bit about what you think it meant? We have before the Lord, we have the spirit and power of Elijah, turning the hearts of the fathers to their children, disobedient to the wisdom, and, and people prepared for the Lord. Uh, thanks, Phil. You were on top of that. Thank you. Um, so if you want to pick one of those phrases and just kind of expound on it a little bit, tell us what does this mean about their son, uh, their son, John? And Ron and Joni, I missed your thought there too, the appearance of the angel. Yeah, that, that's fairly unique in scripture. Not the first time, but but we could probably count on one hand anyway how many times that happened. Um, so that's definitely unique for for Elizabeth and, and Zechariah. So Melissa's tackling the phrase here, the spirit and power of Elijah. Um, she says, John would be a remarkable prophet. Um, and Elijah, one of the most beloved from the Old Testament. Yeah, so I think there's, it really emphasizes that the power, the the role that John was going to have and, and hopefully the, the kind of reception that he would have. Um, Tom's on that one as well here, performing miracles. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of power, right, that we would expect to see in, in John the Baptist if we compare him to Elijah. Thank you for that. Um, and by the way, this does fulfill the prophet we just studied, right? We did just study Malachi. Anybody remember what it said? Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Malachi predicted, looked ahead to John, who was going to come and, and be this, this Elijah. So, so we have a fulfilled prophecy there as well. All right, any other phrases there anybody wants to pick up on? Uh, before the Lord, turning the hearts of the fathers to their children, talking about turning the disobedient to wisdom or are people prepared for the Lord? Anybody want to take one of those and, and expound on them a little bit? So Jane's taking the fourth one there. Um, changing the obedient, disobedient, and Tom's on that one too. Yeah, so there'd be repentant, right? There'd be, um, there'd be repentance that would lead people to obey the law and to do what is right. Um, think of Zacchaeus. Uh, think of Matthew. Think of so many who said, Lord, what, what must I do now? Um, people repenting and now doing what is right. So, so we see that. Um, Melissa is asking about John the Baptist doing miracles. Um, that is a really good question. I don't know that we have any recorded miracles by John, but um, we do have references talking about um, his powerful message in ministry. Um, and so I think there is that that powerful message of repentance and faith that John preaches. And certainly we see that that powerful effect too, right? As people are flocking out to him. Um, so I think the power here with John is really, really emphasized in the work that he does, especially as he shares the word. All right, uh, a couple other thoughts here. So before the Lord, the first phrase there, um, he would precede Christ, right? He's the forerunner. He comes first. He goes out before Jesus. Joel and then Marlene and Joel are talking about the fifth one there, people prepared for the Lord. Um, yeah, directing their eyes toward Jesus. Um and again, there's repentance involved in that uh, as they look to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? That was John's message. Uh, people, people believe that. And Phil's got number four, or number three, turning the hearts of the fathers. Um, yeah, Phil, I, I think you're, you're capturing it there. There's, a, there's an urgency there. Um, 
I think part of the idea there is parents will be just as open to the message as children would be, right? Um, the, the adults eager for instruction too, just like the, the young people are or the kids are. Um, yeah, and maybe they weren't so willing or ready to, to prepare and to look for Jesus. So lots here, right? Lots here. So um, John the Baptist was going to have plenty to do, plenty to do. And good evening, Linda. Glad you're here. We just finished question two from Luke chapter one. So plenty of good stuff to come here. Um, let's, let's, let's move forward here. Number three, um, Zechariah doubted the angel. What happened as a result of that? That can be a real quick, real quick question here. What happened as a result of that? Ron and Joan got it, right? He was unable to speak until the baby was born. I don't expect anybody to remember this, but we had a sermon on this back in December. And, and I think we talked a while about just imagine what that would have been like. Imagine how frustrating and difficult that would have been for Zechariah. Um, so, and people clearly know something's up, right? He must have seen something, but he can't articulate what it was. Um, let's go to number four. We'll come back to, to Zechariah a little bit. Number four, childlessness is a burden some, cu some couples are called on to endure. What did Zechariah and Elizabeth do when they could not have children? And what does this teach us? Perhaps some of you have experienced that or know somebody who has experienced that. Um, it is a, a burden. It can be a heavy one. Um, what did Zechariah and Elizabeth do? And what does that teach us? What does that teach us? Any thoughts here? I was thinking that too, Tom. I'm kind of wondering if he's copying and pasting. Um, but he may not let us know his secrets either. Um Phil says they serve the Lord. Okay, so so they sure kept on serving, right? They, they're uh, the absence of this blessing did not prevent them from serving. So that's true. Um, keep going though. What else? What else did Zechariah and Elizabeth do? Um, Jane, we'll answer that one when we get into chapter two. That will answer that question here in just a little bit. Um, and the, well, the second part of your question was her heart in a different place than Zechariah? Yes. Um, it appears. So if you look at verse 18, um, that appears to be doubt there, right? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife as well, along in years. The way that Gabriel responds would suggest, yes, Zechariah has doubt. Uh, Mary, scripture is presented as as not, as faith, having faith there in this area and not doubt. Um, we'll talk more about Mary shortly, but to answer the second part of your question, yes, I think her heart was in a different place. Uh, so Tom and Linda are talking about their life of faith. Yes, I think that the key thought here, though, too, that we haven't mentioned yet, they prayed to the Lord. They prayed, they prayed to the Lord. Um, and I think, so they're upright. They're observing the Lord's commandments. Um, verse, look at verse 12 or 13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. So they were praying about this. What does that teach us about this particular issue? We got to be careful not to say too much here as well, but they clearly were praying about this issue. The Lord says, Hey, your prayer has been heard. What does this teach us? I think there's a point we need to make here, but then I think we also need to be careful maybe a little bit. Any thoughts on what does this teach us? Uh, 
So Tom says fervent prayer. Um, yeah, keep on praying, right? Be persistent. Um, be fervent as we pray. I, I think here too, I guess finally, conception is a gift from the Lord. Um, yes, there's a lot of things that depend on biology and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately conception is a gift from God. And certainly the Lord can do all kinds of things, right? So why not pray to him? Now that doesn't mean he's going to automatically say yes, right? But if a couple is struggling, um, certainly prayer is, is part of the equation here. Certainly prayer is something that they ought to be doing. The Lord may have all kinds of reasons for giving any kind of answer, but let's, let's pray, right? And Ron and Joan say, keep praying. God hears. Jane says, yeah, so everybody's on this. Prayer can change what the Lord has done. Um, answer is he sees fit. Um, must have said that they trusted he was in control, remained faithful. God hears our prayers. Marlene and Joel, um, sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's maybe hold on and wait. Sometimes it's no. But pray, pray for sure. Everything else said, of course, is great. But let's not leave that one out. All right, number five, you're moving forward a little bit. Christians have always confessed the virgin birth of our Savior. What statements in this account make this teaching clear? So if you're looking at uh, verse 26 to 38, the birth of Jesus, what details in those verses uh, make it clear that this was a virgin birth? So we're just going to take that first question before we get into um, the second part. So what details in this section make it clear that it was a virgin birth? And good evening, Joanne. Uh, welcome. We are in chapter one. Just asked question number five. What statements of this account make the teaching of the virgin birth absolutely clear? All right. So uh, you're right, Tom. Um, everything really depends on this, doesn't it? Um, it's not a small doctrine here. The virgin birth of Jesus is not a, a minor teaching. A lot of things hinge on it. So that's a good observation. So Melissa's got one point here. It calls her a virgin, right? The virgin's name was Mary, verse 27. All right. In fact, two times here she is called a virgin. Uh, there's one a little bit later on. I don't have the verse in front of me right now. But two times in this account, uh, she's called a virgin. Okay, what else? What else? All right, Ron and Joan, yeah. Um, and this speaks to your question a little bit earlier too, Jane. Um, verse, uh, where'd it go? Uh -huh. She says, how can this be? since I am a virgin. So she calls herself a virgin, verse 34. That would seem to be pretty clear. And then how will this be? Like, yeah, she, she don't understand that. Um, she knows she can't conceive because she's a virgin. So that's another key thought. Jane's got another one here. The Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So it, the Holy Spirit is, is doing the thing here. It, it's not, this is not a natural process. Um, Good. I think we're hitting the, the key thoughts here. Um, verse 32, I think, is another one. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. Okay, this is not going to be the Son of a Man, right? This is going to be the Son of the Most High. So clearly we got plenty of reasons here why we would say that our Savior was born of a virgin. Scripture very clearly presents it, clearly presents it to us. So the second part of the question, um, why is it so important for us to understand and accept as true this detail about Mary and how she conceived? So basically we're at, we're trying to prove Tom's statement. Tom said, this is the cornerstone of the whole gospel. Um, why is it so important for you and I to understand and accept this as true? The fact that Mary conceived in this manner, why is this so important? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? 
All right, so Melissa and Joel, um, yeah, I mean, so Scripture teaches us he's true God and he's true man. And if there's no virgin birth, he can't be true God, right? So that's a huge, huge factor. Um, and, yeah, for those that would question how this can be, Mark says nothing's impossible with God, right? This is just one more miracle in a long list of miracles that we see in Scripture. Joel and Marlene are on track there with Melissa and Joel. He, he's true God. Um, the virgin birth proves and shows that he is true God. And, and Jane and Joanna are on the same page there too with, with what we've said here. So um, that's huge. And yeah, if he's got a human father, then he's not our savior. Even if he's a, he has a human father and is still perfect, why can he not be our savior? And Linda, you're absolutely right. God clearly makes it super clear here, right? Um, and there's another detail coming up later on, which which reinforces that too. God makes this super clear. Um, that's interesting. So Ron and Jones say, we saw a statue in Germany showing Mary with an ear trumpet. We're told the Holy Ghost used this to impregnate Mary. That's why Jesus is called the word. Interesting. I have not seen that statue. Where in Germany was that? Um, Tom, I'm sure that somebody has. I personally, off the top of my head, could not tell you um, how many. Um, we are for sure in the dozens, but I, it's got to be way more than that. Um, I don't have the number handy. Um, and Linda, yeah, Mary took Jesus, took the angel at his word here, right? That she didn't, she didn't argue with it. So um, I asked a question before and now I forgot what I asked you. Um, oh yeah. If, if Jesus is just man, we can't be saved because his death then doesn't count for everybody, right? The old Testament, the light, the cost of or a, a life, the payment for a life is costly. If he's just man, even a perfect man, all he does is save himself. Uh, only if God dies can he save the whole world. If man dies, he only saves himself. But God's death can count for a, a whole world of sinners. So um, just keep that in mind too. Joel, yeah, he he is the God man, right? Um, um Ron and Joan, I was on a similar tour, and it was awesome. I would love to go back. I just I don't recall seeing that particular one. So interesting. I'll have to look that up. Um, all right. So numbers, we got to keep moving here. Number six. What is the what is the focus of Elizabeth's praise of Mary, as directed by the Holy Spirit? So um, Elizabeth, Mary visits Elizabeth, and this is an account we reference. A several times throughout the year um, for a couple of reasons. So Mary visits Elizabeth. Elizabeth praises. And what is the focus of her praise? What is the focus of her praise? And I think this is instructive too. There's a lot of praise going on here in the first couple of chapters. Um, and notice the, I think you notice something in common with all the praise that we see here. Yep, you're right, Linda. It had to be a perfect man, right? And um, as true God, he could ensure that perfection. Melissa says that Mary believes in God and what God has done for her. Yeah, really, Elizabeth is praising the faith of Mary and is really uh, praising the Lord for what he's going to do through Mary. Um, Marge says that well there. Mary was blessed and blessed is the child that she will bear. Just, just notice again the direction here. Elizabeth is not praising herself. She's not even really praising Mary. She's praising what God is doing through Mary. Um, interesting, Tom. Yeah, I I have no uh, no reason to dispute that. Um, 
that's so, so that, that's clearly a lot. And in and, and John as well, John even says, hey, there's so many more we didn't record for you, right? Um, Philly, that's a good observation too there, right? She's ready to serve. Um, she doesn't really, doesn't question it. Um, yeah, and Jane, she, she knows that she herself is blessed here to be visited. So just all the praise directed toward the Lord, right? And not toward herself. Um, uh, how does Marlene know? Marlene, if you, uh, Marlene asked, how does Elizabeth know? I think if you look at verse 41, it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how she knew. Um, she heard the Mary's greeting, the baby leaps, and then it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed. So the Holy Spirit uh, helped her out there. The Holy Spirit uh, instilled that that information or, or, or gave her that, that revelation. All right, then we get to the Song of Mary. Um, really hard to sing, uh, but a beautiful song. Um, the, the iterations I've heard, you know, in our church services, really beautiful, but again, hard to sing, hard to sing. Um, take a look at her song. And I asked you, what does she say about herself? The Lord, all who fear him and Abraham pick one and just, just comment, you know, what is the, what does Mary say about these, these four individuals? What do you see there? Um, incidentally, verse 41 that we just talked about, the baby leaping in her womb, um, that's a passage we use to, to demonstrate or to show that, that infants can have faith in the womb as well. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, people sometimes ask about babies, what happens to babies who don't make it? And uh, they can hear the word just like anybody else. Um, so if we got any expecting moms out there, make sure you're hearing the word so that baby can hear it too. So Tom's talking about the Lord. Number two here, uh, he's done great things from generation to generation. And because of that, Tom, he's worthy of praise, right? The Lord is the one that we're praising here um, and worshiping. And so yeah, Mary is praising him for his faithfulness, uh, keeping his promises from generation to generation. Yeah, Melissa, think about that too. Um, for Mary to have somebody that understands, can listen and, and relate and believe what she's saying and not look at her like she's crazy. Um, that's a good thought. I didn't have that. I didn't think of that initially, but I think that's a good insight there. So look, see how the Lord provides the support and encouragement we need when we need it too. Um, good. Um, I'm just talking about the Lord here, the mighty one. Um, holy is his name. Um, Jane's talking about all who fear him, they're going to get mercy. Um, the Lord will lift up the humble. And then finally for Abraham, just quickly here, God remembered his promises, fulfilled his promises to Abraham. And God's people, the, the, the Jewish people in particular here, they've been, they've been waiting on those promises to Abraham for a long time. So when Mary says this, hey, this thing we've been waiting for that was first promised to Abraham, here it is. So she's connecting the dots to the Old Testament there. Yep, and all his descendants forever. That's you and me, Tom, right? All of us. We're part of his spiritual descendants. Yeah, that's a good thought too, Joel. Um he says it's an awesome miracle when any of us have our spirit spirit turned to God in faith. Um, the fact that you and I believe, first of all, is a miracle. Um, and what are some of the difficult things that you and I have had to believe? Some of the difficult things where we've said, no, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord on this one. Um, I obviously, probably not to the level of Mary here, but but we believe some pretty pretty impossible things about our Lord too, right? And what an awesome miracle that is to have that faith. 
All right, so that's two songs of praise. We get another one here from Zechariah as John is born. We get a song of praise here. Um, and Zechariah again praises God. What would you say are the main points or the themes here of Zechariah's song? Yeah, Phil, I can't even imagine what a detour in her life that was. I mean, she was probably planning on having kids pretty early with Joseph, I'm, I'm sure. So in that regard, um, she was maybe expecting to be a mom, but this is a whole nother level, right? Um, all right, so what is Zechariah praising here? Tom's got, I think, one of the key thoughts here, God's faithfulness, right? God is faithful. Melissa says he also talks about the promise to Abraham. Yeah, praising God for his faithfulness, praising God for keeping his promises. All three of these really are praising God for being faithful, for being good to us. Um, and yeah, and that's a pretty neat thing too, Linda, right? If if your son was John the Baptist, that's, that's a pretty humbling uh, honor as well. All right, anything, anybody want to ask anything on chapter one? Um, it feels wrong to give chapter two only 25 minutes here, but that's what we're looking at. Um, anybody have any thoughts, questions, last comments here on chapter one? So, so good. I probably could have took an hour just on chapter one. Um, I will say the same thing about chapter two. All right. Um, just notice also here that the historical details that Luke drops. So he's going to mention Caesar. He's going to mention Quirinius. Um, those are historical figures that we can can locate and, and date and say, yep, those guys were there, just like Luke said. Um, Luke's good at that, dropping those little nuggets for us here. Um, and uh, it certainly is good to, um, good for our, good for our, I was going to say good for our faith. We have faith regardless, but it sure is encouraging to see those things. I agree wholeheartedly, Joan. Luke chapter 2. Um, does anybody else hear the voice of Linus when you read chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, or as you read the first part of chapter 2? Um, if you don't get that reference, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas, I watched it every year as a kid. And Linus would always go out on stage with his blanket and he would read, recite Luke chapter two for Charlie Brown to talk about the real meaning of Christmas. Um, I always thought that, found that amazing that a nationally televised special every year had at its center um, the gospel of Luke from chapter two. Just amazing, um, cool thing that that's been able to, uh, to be aired for so long. Um, Oh, that's a good thought too there. Um, yeah, I hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The memorization. Yep. Um, that'd be the other thing too. Um, yeah, and I think I visited a lot of older folks over the years who talk about when they were kids at Christmas Eve service and remembered these words. Um, there's value in memorization, people. There's value in learning those things because they stick with you. All right, we're going to have to cruise a little bit here. Number one, what amazing conclusion must you come to regarding Mary and Joseph being in Bethlehem at the very time of Jesus' birth? Kind of interesting to think about this. I don't know if anybody was onto it. What amazing conclusion must you come to regarding Mary and Joseph being in Bethlehem at the very time of Jesus' birth? Interesting, Tom. And I think he individually was kind of in and out of the faith over the years, if I recall. Um, but I, don't quote me on that. I am not going to. I don't know if I know that, if that's for certain. Um, yeah, God is in charge, as, as some, of, some of you have said here, the timing of it all. Right. So how are we going to get Jesus from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Hmm. How about a census? Right. Let's just go ahead. Um, God makes it fit here, as as you all are saying, as Ron and, Ron and Joan just said. 
Um, just kind of interesting to see that um, God, he made it work. Um, and certainly a lot of prophecies are fulfilled here, Tom, but um, as we go through this. But Isaiah wasn't the one that predicted Bethlehem. Anybody remember who it was that predicted Bethlehem? Isaiah predicted a lot of things. The virgin will get birth. We'll give him the name Emmanuel. But anybody remember the prophet that said what the name of the city was going to be? It wasn't Isaiah. That's your extra credit question for the night. Number two, it was a minor one, Linda. You are correct. Yes, Joel, it was Micah. It was Micah. He predicted uh, Bethlehem. All right, number two, Jesus was a king, yet he came in humility. For his kingdom would be, would be won not by force of, force of arms, but by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sin. How does the beginning of Jesus' life set the pace for the rest of his life? How does the beginning of Jesus' life set the pace for the rest of his life? And again, just in advance, I apologize. I mean, probably could have just given one week to this chapter. So I know there's stuff here that we aren't going to cover. But as was said earlier, we know it well, too. So, yeah, the, the humility of it all, right? No place for them, um, stable, manger. It just, just, there's no room, right? Just the humility of it all. And, and we see that play throughout his ministry he doesn't have a place to lay his head, right? He doesn't have a house. He's riding the donkey into Palm Sunday. Um, what's more humble than that, right, Ron and Joan? Yeah, yeah. So there's humility there. Yep, humble, humble, humble. Yeah. Um, Good, good thoughts, everybody. The last place you'd expect the birth of a king, for sure. Uh, next question. I, I like thinking about this one. Um, yeah, that's that's a good way to think about it too, Phil. There's just nobody's got a place for them, right? They they had to have had to have had relatives around. Um, Joanne. That has never occurred to me. Um, so back referencing Charlie Brown, when he says, fear not, he drops his security blanket. Holy smokes. Um, I've never noticed that before. I'm going to have to go back and, and check that. Um, thanks, for the, thanks for that little nugget. All right, number three. Why do you think God announced the birth of his son first to shepherds? I think this is so unique, so cool. Why would God first tell the shepherds? So Linda says shepherds were considered the lowest in status. Correct. So wouldn't you want to announce it to the kings and the, the people in power, even the Pharisees? Why? Linda is absolutely right. So wouldn't that seem to make them even less likely? Why announce it to the shepherds? Why announce it to the shepherds? A couple of things here. So Melissa says, doesn't care about our standing and his messages for everyone. I think that is, I think the core thought here, hey, if, if he's for shepherds, then he's for everybody. So I think that thought is there. Certainly there's some good connection and allusion, as you all are saying here, to the fact that Jesus is our shepherd. Um, I think we, we could connect those dots too. Um, I, I think, I think the, the first key thought here, though, is if, he's for, if he came for shepherds, he came for everybody. I also think, yeah, who was more likely to share the news? Um, who is more likely to share the news? Um, and, and shepherds were certainly good candidates for that. Remember, how did the kings react? How did Herod react? Um, he, he wasn't too excited about it, right? 
um, even the people. Um, now, maybe they're reacting to Herod's reaction, but the people necessarily weren't super crazy about the idea. They were a little bit more curious and, and cautious. Um, Jane, you want to give me a verse there on your question? Um, I don't think it says the angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord. Um, so we would say, no, this is not Christ. Christ has just been born. And the phrasing there in verse 9 um, is a little different than in when we talked about the angel of the Lord. Um, so we would say, no, this is not the same as the, the angel of the Lord that we've heard about so many times. Linda, agree wholeheartedly. Um, and certainly that does emphasize the humility again here as Joel says. All right. Good stuff. Um, I, something that I was thinking about um, as I read through this again, and, and there's value in reading through these well-known chapters again and again, even especially maybe at a time of the year when it isn't normally popping up, because it allows you to think about maybe other aspects of it that you haven't thought about before. Um, and so I was really thinking about this time just Mary and Joseph um, as parents. Uh, number four, what do Mary and Joseph's activities at this time show us about them? What do the activities at this time show us about them? And we don't get to learn a lot about Joseph. He appears to die early on, at least by the time Jesus is in his ministry. But I think we learn a lot about Joseph here these first couple of chapters. And Mary, too. What do we learn about them here? Linda says they were following the laws. Marge says that, too. Melissa says they're committed to believers. They're following through on the things that God asks. Joel and, and Tom are on that same page, right? They're in tune. They're following the laws, the Old Testament laws. Yeah, I, I think we would say, uh, you're all saying it, right? They're dedicated. They're devout. They're pious, right? They're they're practicing their faith. They're, they're doing the things that God asked them to do. They're churchgoers, right? They're, they're active, actively practicing their faith. Um, and so that tells you the kind of home that Jesus grew up in. That gives Jesus an opportunity, right, to be the perfect substitute in our place in, in a lot of ways. Um, so just uh, good to see, right? They're certainly not going to be perfect parents, um, but they're they're practicing their faith. Um, we'll try to take these quickly. Number five, how did Simeon at exactly the right time know what to do and what to say? This is kind of like the question earlier about Mayor Elizabeth, when when Mary visited, how does he know this? How does he know this? So verse 28, 29, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Tom says the Spirit was upon him. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, again, um, directed. So clearly Simeon knows the word because he's quoting it, right? And, and I think um, he's moved by the Spirit. Um, I don't know. Have you ever felt moved by the Spirit? And I don't felt this wrong word. Because it doesn't say he felt it either. It just says he was moved by the Spirit. Um, the point I want to make there is you and I are moved by the Spirit to the degree that we're in God's Word. Um, and when you get into conversations with somebody about the faith and you're nervous and you don't know what to say, Holy Spirit moves you, right? Holy Spirit gives you words and and, and blesses it. Um, we, of course, aren't going to be quoted in Scripture or verbally inspired, um, but the Holy Spirit moves us too. And the more we're in the Word, that gives the Holy Spirit opportunity to work and, and to grow our faith. Uh, let's see. Uh, quickly, so let's 
Number six, I'm just going to give you what? Why would Jesus cause a falling and a rising? Why would people speak against Jesus? Why, what do Simeon's ominous words to Mary mean? Um, quickly here, those who rejected him would fall spiritually. Think of the Pharisees, all those. Think about the cornerstone, right? And all who fall on it are crushed. Um, why would people speak against Jesus? Because he was against man's way of salvation. And what do Simeon's ominous words to Mary mean? She's going to watch her son die on the cross, which we just saw on Friday. Um, but how about number seven? Sticking with Simeon, let, let's spend a little bit of time there. Number seven. Why is the nunc dimittis such a fitting end to the Lord's Supper? Um, at least in the old hymnal here, when I say old, I mean the most, the one we just replaced. So I guess we can't call it the old hymnal. But we would sing what Simeon said here. Um, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. We sing it, we say it in some form or another after Holy Communion. Why is that such a fitting end to the Lord's Supper? 93, yikes. Making me feel old, Phil. Um, Tom says we've been filled... Okay, yes, we've been filled by word and sacrament. We've been filled um, by the Spirit. We have peace. Joel and, and Linda here talking about the peace that we have. Um, and Simeon's talking about, right, dismiss your servant in peace. We have spiritual peace, the peace of forgiveness through the Lord's Supper. So we too have seen Jesus, right? Melissa says we've seen the salvation in the body and blood, and, and we're now ready, right? We're ready, Lord. We're ready. Um, Jane says, when I ask God for guidance, sometimes an answer comes. The good Holy Spirit. Um, if I understand you, Jane, I think so. I, the, the word good there is throwing me off. Um, when I ask God for guidance, sometimes an answer comes. Certainly that is the Holy Spirit. Um, provided the answer. So I'll just speak from experience. Yeah, when I, when I pray for guidance and wisdom, the Lord often does that and grants that. Now, it's not always instantaneous, right? He'll lead me to, to come to a conclusion over time. But I think we can say that's the work of the Holy Spirit as we are Seeking counsel from the word and asking for guidance. The spirit leads us to that. So I think I'm going to say yes, if I'm understanding your question correctly. Um, Joanne, correct. Yep, that's what we do. Lord's Supper, Jesus comes to us. Um, <laughs> Phil, that's, yeah, right? And, and that's the other point too, right? Isn't that what he's saying here? Um, all right, Lord, I'm ready to roll. I, I, I've seen the Savior. What else is left for me, right? I've seen Jesus. You could take me anytime now, right? Um, and I like the way you phrased that, Phil, because I think that helps us understand that there's nothing else here, right? The world has nothing I desire besides you, Lord, right? Nothing here um, more valuable than you. So if I've just been connected to Jesus in the Lord's Supper, what else do I need in a sense? Right, and, and Phil's post really ought to be our reaction to the Lord's Supper, right? To receiving our Savior Jesus in the Lord's Supper. Um, so that hopefully puts things in perspective. It's easy for us to devalue the sacrament because we have it so often. Um, but just that uh, keep Phil's phrase. Um, I might I might actually jump that down um, in my margin here. Because I think that's a good illustration. Um, so Melissa says it doesn't say uh, when the Holy Spirit um, re revealed this to him. Uh, well, verse 25 
Melissa says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And in verse 26, it had been revealed to him that he wouldn't die. Um, and then verse 27, moved by the Spirit. So, I mean, it would seem to me that... Um, Just in context, you know, it's things are happening here. The Holy Spirit is leading him to this conclusion in that moment. He might have had that revelation prior, um, but clearly the Spirit is moving him right now to say these things. I don't. So I, I don't know. If, I think we're tracking. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. Any other questions? On Simeon, before we move on, we got one little section left here. It's a, maybe it's just me, but it's amazing how an hour can go by and you feel like we we didn't have enough time. Um, that's probably a good thing, though. If we were all sitting here at fifty-five minutes, thinking, "Oh my goodness, we still got five more," then 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 we'd be probably in trouble. Um, all right. Quickly here, number eight, the account of Jesus in the temple is easy enough to understand. Um, mom and dad, there's a lot of families, I think, that have had similar occurrences here, right? Kids get lost or whatever, end up in different vehicles of the family. Um, the account of Jesus is easy to understand. We don't look down on Mary and Joseph. Their mistake in leaving Jesus behind was an honest mistake. Yet they made an even greater mistake when they returned to Jerusalem. What was that? What was what was the mistake? I, I'm guessing you're right, Phil, but at the same time, too, if it gets too long, then that, that's probably not good. And I see our, our numbers here have, have bumped up a little bit, too. So Tom says, um, not knowing where to find him. Yeah, why did it take them three days? Look at verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. Why did it take them three days to figure out or to even look in the temple? Um, I think that's that's the issue here, right? Um, Melissa says they looked everywhere except where they should have known the look. What does this tell you? I think this tells you they're they're still figuring out what this means, right? That Jesus is their savior. Where else would he be? Where else would the Son of God want to spend time than in God's house? Um, certainly something we could all learn from and, and, and desire. Um, but I think it's the big, the, the biggie. Why, why did it take them three days to start to look at the temple? They're just, they, they aren't quite, quite figuring that out. Why not look there sooner? Um, then number nine. So when they find him, certainly they're fresh. I mean, you, you, you can imagine how frantic you'd be as a parent. They're frustrated. Um, how does Jesus reveal both his divine nature here and his human nature here? Take either side. Tell us, um, how does he reveal it? How does Jesus reveal his divine nature? How does he reveal his human nature? Uh, Joe and Marlene, just to make sure I understand that when you say they, are you talking about Mary and Joseph? Um, rabbis couldn't teach publicly, um, uh, until the age of 30. Um, so, so I don't know if that answers the question. Um, he can't, he cannot publicly really preach and teach until he's 30. Um, that was kind of the, the way things went. Um, Joel says if he had cell phones, um, maybe, or was he so engrossed that, uh, he just, he would have lost track of the time, but you're probably right. Um, so Tom says his human side, he's obedient. Yep. I think so. Uh, he's obedient. Um, Joanne says it took believers three days to find the resurrected Lord, a parallel. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, I, the reason they didn't look there, I think, is they just, they didn't understand um, 
they didn't understand his love for the word um, more than anything. And I, and I think so to this point, why that's why they didn't, didn't look there it, again. It's, they didn't, they don't understand his desire to be where the word is, to hear the word, um, to learn the word, to, to be, to discuss and talk about the word. Cause there's 49. He says, well, I, and he, and I don't think he's not questioning him here, Linda. He's just, he does, he doesn't, he's trying to help them understand why, where else would I be? Right. How, how do you not get it? Right. How do you not understand that this is where I, this is where I want to be. Um, in verse 50, they didn't understand it. They don't, um, they're, they're still figuring this out. And I can't even imagine how it would be to parent Jesus. Um, I'm sure so many blessings, but, but it had to be there. There had to be frustrations. I'm sure not caused by Jesus, but, but on their own end, right. As, as imperfect parents raising the perfect child, that had to be a unique challenge that none of us really ever going to have to deal with here. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. I think we're probably good. Uh, it's seven 30. Um, Anything else here, chapter two? Anything else? Overall, takeaways on Mary and Joseph, I hope they're positive. Um, you know, as we talked about, they're, they're faithful here. They're practicing. They, they're doing all the things that God calls them to do. Um, but spiritually, they're still figuring this out, right? They, um, nobody ever probably pictured the Messiah as a 10-year-old. Right, so to, to wrap your minds around that, um, that that had to be tricky. Tom says, "Can you imagine your child missing for three days nowadays?" Yikes! No, that would be, and that that that's that's a fair point. Um, so they're probably not thinking clearly as they're searching for him frantically. So I think we want to cut them a whole world of slack. But again, I think the question is a fair one. Why did it take so long to look in the temple? Um, I, I just I, That highlights, I think, the, the disconnect at this point. Um, Linda, I agree. I love Luke. Um, and I'm looking forward to the rest of these chapters. So you have the other worksheets. Uh, next week will be chapters three and four. I'm um, looking forward to that. So next Tuesday night, same time. Same channel. Any last thoughts, comments, or questions? Appreciate it. Always good discussion. Always enjoy. Always enjoy having everybody participate. Interesting, Melissa. I have not seen that one. Um, if you're if you're able at some point. Could you email me a, a link to the picture or text it or something? Um, I just interested. I, I'd like to see that one. Um, uh, I'm sure, Jane, at some point that would be amazing. Um, but I also wonder how many times did he get blamed for stuff he didn't do? He had siblings, right? I so yeah. I, I just. The dynamic there is so uh, – I, I, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Can't even imagine what that would have been like. Um, just a unique challenge. Unique blessing for sure. And don't misunderstand me. I just as – a, as a parent, you already feel inadequate. And they've got a perfect child. Like how could you even think you're doing a halfway, a halfway good job, right? If you're um, – we all think our kids are pretty great, but to, to raise the perfect son of God, are you kidding me? Uh, who can do that? Right. So I, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. I Marlene, that's part, part of what I'm trying to emphasize um, that. Yeah. There's no, there's no manual for this one, right? There's no, there's no parenting book here on, uh, and certainly scripture helps give guidance, but I'm just saying there's no manual on 
how to raise uh, a perfect son of God. All right, everybody. Um, I'm going to keep talking if I don't cut this off. So uh, good to have you back. Happy Easter to everybody. Um, Holy Holy Week was great. Thank you for coming out and, and participating in those services. Thanks for being here tonight. We will see you next Tuesday, 6.30. We're going to do Luke chapters 3 and 4 next week. So we get into John the Baptist, and then Jesus kicks off his ministry. All right, blessings, everybody. Have a great night, and we will see you, see you soon.